remember there was a time when I was, you know, I would get excited, you know, when a Bruce Willis movie was coming on, and I can barely remember when that was. <laughs> Freddie Woff. Yay, today we're, God, we're still in the 90s actioners. Even though we yeah. took a two-week hiatus, we're, <laughs> we're more, and we've been talking about doing this one for a little while, even before the hiatus. And, and Oh, uh, yeah, this was supposed, we, we were going to do this one like right after Drop Zone, I thought, like at one point, like, right, really, but somehow we forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there, but we were like, eh, no big deal, right? But anyway, today we have, if you're already reading, it's 1993 Striking Distance from director Rowdy Harrington, who is best known for, of course, Roadhouse before this. But he hit the scene with writing and directing Jack's Back in 1988 yeah. with James Spader. Highly, criminally underrated movie. Yeah, it's on Prime right now, man. I is just, it really? Uh, yeah, I just watched it. Yeah, dude, that movie is so fun. And I hadn't I, seen it since VHS. And it, yeah, dude. And, then when it, it, and it hit VHS fast. It was one of those rarities where it came out and it was out on video in like 10 months, which is super common now, but not really common back then, that's for sure. Right? And, you know, uh, he was also Best Boy Electric on um, Nightmare on Elm Street. See that. And he's a, and he's been, always been one of those kind of gearhead guys. So I, for some reason with the name, I kept thinking he was a stuntman. And, and then I was looking at his, his, uh, filmography. I'm like, all oh, right. And then of course I, once I saw, got reminded that he did Jack's back. I was like, yeah, dude, I was super like, I don't want to watch that. I had no idea it was on prime. You know, he also did the super fun Gladiator with James Marshall and Cuba Gooding Jr. Right. In between. So like, so he did um, Jack's Back and then he did Roadhouse after that, which is a nice follow-up because those, how about, how, how, how is that for two different movies? Right. And then Gladiator after that and soon, and they get, let's see, you know, Gladiator was not the first thing that Cuba did after Jerry Maguire, but I think he had already shot it. No, no, he hadn't done Jerry Maguire yet. He did this, uh, this was right after Boys in the Hood. Oh, that's right. That's what I meant. Yeah. And then, and then Jeremy McGuire was came after a year this. after that. I yeah. Think. yeah. You know, what? I'm going to give you one more Rowdy Harrington movie. That's fun. That's probably it's, he, he reunited with Spader in this movie called the stick up. Yes. Um, I was going to mention that 2002, too. Yeah. I think. But um, again, another movie I found at Blockbuster back in the day. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I'm told totally, Cause it was, you know, it was Spader it looked like it was my genre. And then I realized it was, it was Harrington who, um, you know, I had known from, of course, Roadhouse and then uh, Striking Distance, which is funny. Striking Distance, Gladiator and and Roadhouse were all kind of like movies that were always um, on the playlist. Like when I lived, when I had roommates, you know, right, right out of college and stuff, <laughs> right. they were just always on. Also in 1988, was like, it was a big year for both, um, for both the star of Striking Distance, Bruce Willis and Rowdy Harrington. It was Rowdy Harrington's directorial debut with Jack's back, but it was also Bruce Willis's 
third feature film, but one that finally became a hit after Misfires was Sunset, even though it's awesome. <laughs> right. Well, both those movies, those two Blake Edwards movies, yeah. I like, dude, I love Blind Date. I yeah. don't care who, no, I don't dude. care who gets mad at me. <laughs> I love Blind Date too. It's, dude, that movie's super silly, but super fun. And any movie that puts Stanley Jordan out front like that in 1987, right? 87? Yeah. Yeah. 87. <sighs> Dude, it was so great to watch him play. It wasn't the movie theater. I, like, I was like the only person in the theater. I'm like, Stanley Jordan. And then everyone's like, who? <laughs> oh, now that you've now that you've heard him say who it is, now you know who it is. But no, so he finally broke out in 1980 with, with Die Hard. So big, big year for 88 for both the, the director and, and uh, the star. But here's what's crazy. In those five years between 1988 and this being released in 1993, <laughs> Bruce Willis was busy, man. He was busy doing stuff. He did the kick-ass in country. He did the voice of Mikey on Look Who's Talking. He followed up Die Hard with Die Hard 2. Look Who's Talking 2, again, doing the voice only. Bonfire of the Vanities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, of course, the, the big joke back then was Bombfire of the Vanities, because, you know, that's how that works. As if Bonfire wasn't bad enough. And it was based on a, a, a very successful novel, but it just did not translate well. And it had a good, a good cast too. It wasn't like it was a shitty cast. No, man. You get Tom Hanks, Bruce. Right. And and so on. And so on. After that, he had a smaller part, kind of took a step back away from the limelight in Mortal Thoughts, playing the abusive husband of Dude, Moore. I love Mortal Thoughts. Dude, he's fantastic in it. it was he's a, such a... Yeah. Right. It was, he kind of like, even though he's so phenomenal in country, watching him and Mortal Thoughts is the kind of like that step of, he's not that snarky John McClane. David Addison. David Addison, thank you. It's not that snarkiness. It's just this, he's just a piece of shit. And, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it's a fun one. It's got to be playing somewhere, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's funny and it's not, man. Mortal Thoughts. Um, the only thing I know that exists is a DVD, a full screen DVD. It's a drag because I yeah. bought it um, because I hadn't seen the movie in ages. And I, it was a movie. I remember seeing that and Reservoir Dogs because they both came out right around the same time on VHS back in the day. And it was like a double shot of Keitel. Um, but Bruce, man, Bruce, Bruce and Glenn Hadley, dude. Oh, yes. Steel. She's so They're good. They're both so fantastic in that movie. Yeah. And Demi's good. You know, I mean, she, it's funny because I feel like she's kind of got the thankless role, which is weird because, you know, she's like, I don't want to give too much away if people want to see it, but it's weird because I, I feel like everybody else in that movie is kind of just, I don't want to say they're chewing the scenery, but they are just fucking, they are laying it down. Yes. After that, Hudson Hawk and fuck everybody that doesn't like it. I love it. It has a lot of oddness around him. He was, you know, at the peak of Bruce being full of himself. Um, you hear about the horror stories about people in production, what a pain in the ass he was. Um, and, you know, 1989, when they were still in post-production on this, you know, them going back in frame by frame, hand painting in his hairline. <laughs> you hear right. about, you hear about it. It's, it, it, it was just like, uh, it's rumors. No, it was true. I have talked to some rotoscopers that were involved in it. It's, it's legit. And after that, uh, that failure, the box office, unfortunately, he came back with a vengeance with the Shane Black scripted Tony Scott directed last Boy Scout which was came a lot of heat again. And then he went and he right. did another he just, movie that kind of bombed. Right. And, and 
which was weird because Damon Wayans was kind of up and coming. This was his first feature while he was still on Living Color. Um, yeah, it was weird. And then in the last movie before he gets to Striking Distance's Death Becomes Her, which, I, again, the movie did okay. It did pretty good. But I think it's he's fantastic in that too. And he's, even though everybody was talking about oh, Goldie Hawn, it's Meryl Streep's movie. It's kind of like it was in Mortal Thoughts. He kind of took a back seat, even though he's on the poster. He took a back seat and everybody else kind of handled the main chores and all the heavy lifting. But he's just in the background doing his thing. And I thought, yeah, he, that's another fun one. But when you get to 93 and he's back to doing action movies, it's fun. Yeah, I dig it because you know, he hadn't really done it. You could have, Last Boy Scout could have been a follow-up to Die Hard, the way it, the way it functions. And Oh, yeah. I felt like, I, I, I wonder though, would he have gone and would he have done it? Had he tripped over anything along the lines with, with, the, with these failures? If Bonfire of the Vanities had failed, would he have done, would he had, you know, if Hudson Hawk had done well, would he have done Last Boy Scout? So it's one of those weird ones. I still think he did it as a favor to Joel Silver because Joel Silver was having a hard time getting, you know, he wanted another franchise going and, you know, he didn't, you know, obviously Bruce wasn't a fan of doing another Die Hard movie after just doing one. The funny thing about Striking Distance is, it, is nobody, when you mention it, nobody knows what you're talking about. Right. And, and this <laughs> cast is fucking stacked. There's, oh yeah, man. <laughs> there's right there, to the point where I had to keep. Rem, I like had to rem, keep reminding myself who was in the movie. I'm like, oh, and people. Even just I just watched it twice in the last week. When I watched it again last night, I'm like, oh yeah, I keep forgetting he's in this movie. I keep forgetting he's in this movie. Right. Like I told you earlier, it's the perfect movie to, to re. The rewatchability is way high on this movie because I watched it three times in the, over the last week and a half, like you. And man, it's like I'm watching a new movie every time I started it. Like, because I can't remember the moment it's over, I, I can't remember any of it. Right. <laughs> but I don't mean that in a bad way no. because it's super entertaining. Yeah. I mean, the opening uh, that we're going to talk about here in a moment, I mean, that, you know, it's. I mean, let's just run the cast down real quick. Obviously, you got Bruce. Yeah, Dennis Farina, Sarah Jessica Parker, Tom Sizemore, Brian James. I mean, Robert Pastorelli. Yes. Our mm. favorite from Erasure. Um, Tim Busfield. Yep. John Mahoney. I totally forgot Mahoney was in the movie. Andre Brower. Right. Very, dude, very, Tom very. Tom Atkins, man. Dude. When it, and the thing is, it's almost like those people were just kind of like, hey, we live in this, we live in Philadelphia. <laughs> so, right, I mean Pittsburgh, and by, by the way, I wanted to talk. I wanted, that's something else I want to talk about. We lamented about how gorgeous mm -hmm. Pittsburgh looks in Innocent Blood. This is the complete opposite of that. They go for dirt, right? And it's not just it's not a production value thing. It's you know it's the production. It's a studio movie. There's no no issue with the production quality. They went for a look, and it's very distinct. It's very uh, working class. Yeah. And it's very dirty. So all that gloss that you see in Innocent Blood, you think, man, that's that is that really Pittsburgh? Yes. When you see this, you're not questioning it's Pittsburgh. <laughs> right. You're like, of course it's Pittsburgh. Of course it is. And uh and it's and it, it helps out with the, the the entire tone of the movie. And like you noted, it's fun while you're watching it, but then it's, it's sort of forgettable. Right. You know, you know, and you can come back to it and, and enjoy it. It's, it. There's not a lot of movies that can do that. It's not a great movie. It's a good movie, but you usually don't hear about, you usually don't, with great movies, you're always remembering all these key moments, but this, all the key moments is you forget. Right. But dude, this movie is so fucking fun. 
one other thing that I mentioned, you know, Bruce's hair being painted in with Hudson Hawk. <laughs> he had this thing for a while where he was struggling with his with his pride and about his hair. His pride. That's your pride fucking with you, man. Yeah, exactly. Fuck pride. That's what you get here throughout throughout those five years between 88 and this, because he has a he has some hair in all these movies, with exception of one of them. And right after this, he'll shave his head for for Pulp for Fiction, Pulp, but right. then he goes back to wearing pieces in his in or supplements to his hair. This movie has some jarring moments where you're like, "What is on his head?" Right? It's like, see, when he comes, in, yeah. There's, there's you know, some and, we get, like, and we get there. It's just like I wonder. Since I was talking about his hair, I wanted to kind of bring that up because when we get there, you're, it's going to sound like we're we're beating a dead horse, but really. Bruce Willis had a thing about his hair. And then soon after those other movies, he followed Die Hard with when he gets to 12 monkeys, I recall watching the behind the scenes of him where he has his, you know, he's in his, in his full on suit and he's like his head shaved. And he's like, and he kind of rubs his hand on top of his head. Yep. I've given up on it. I'm going full time. Right. And it was like, so, so I've always remembered that because he's done that since then. Anytime you see a wig now, it it looks better than the, his real hair back in the day, which is oh yeah, kind of Absolutely. funny. I think he started seeing you know Burt Reynolds' hair guy or Connery's. <laughs> Who? Right, <laughs> dude. Because if there's a better wig than the one that Connery was wearing in Hunt for Red October, I want to see it. Yeah, dude, that wig's rad. Anyway, so this silly ass movie, <laughs> silly ass, but this this movie that you keep forgetting about. Or I've never heard of, and you'll forget about it after you don't watch. It's available right now on Showtime, so um, you have Showtime rock and roll, but still on the cheap side for the rental. I think it's only like a buck ninety nine to rent. It's not very much. Yeah, it was like from iTunes. I think it was dollar ninety nine. Yeah, it's cheap. That's all right. Uh, the premise of this movie is straightforward, like any other, and it's and I refer to it as an action movie. And quite honestly, it's more of a uh, a mystery thriller than it is an action movie. It's got a great opening chase but you know there's not a whole lot of action action it's maybe is more i think it fits more into a into a um a crime thriller than than anything else if it, 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 yeah, totally. it walked a fine line of esther haas and silver you know what i mean joel silver yep. and esther haas movies they're kind of like they're trying to and i think that's why people didn't didn't know what to make of it if they didn't want him to make waves they shouldn't have put him on the water <laughs> <laughs> So many great mottos. I've seen so many, <laughs> so many great DVD covers. Like when I was researching stuff, and I'm like, "This is rad, dude." <laughs> um, it made me want to get a poster and put it in my office. Did you really? No, but I, I oh. was thinking about it. I was like, if I could find a really good one, man, I probably, I probably like this movie more than I should. Um, but again, it goes back to like I could sit and watch it again tonight and probably be fully entertained. And feel like I was watching, but let's talk about that opening. Oh yeah. Let's get into that. It's Beverly Hills cop. It's, dude. it's, it's dude. It's that good. It's the, that car chase when they're coming over those Hills and that line of cars. We are, especially when you're, when they're doing the whole, uh, whoop-de-doo section of that street where they're just getting air and getting so much air that the, the black and white loses its, its cherries right off, <laughs> off the top. It's so crazy. I mean, so it starts off with, well, you see, you see a, a remote control cop car kind of driving around the ground. And we get our first needle drop. Yep. 
and and uh, and it's just here's what's a good thing. It's, it's the same needle drop. Thank God, because this guy's got a shtick. He has his his mo is he he chokes people, he chokes the women, he strangles them, and he's fond of remote police cars that are remote, remote control police cars and and uh, Little Red Riding Hood, right? <laughs> Sam the Sam and the Pharaohs. So after you see you see the homegirl like laying on the ground all bound, gagged. The car bumps into her. You see the car driving around for a little bit. She's crying. She's crying. They cut from that to uh, to Thomas Hardy. This is Bruce Willis, Thomas Hardy, and, and his father Vince. And it's funny when it, I, I, I had a hard time even every time I watched the movie the last few weeks is hearing the word Tom Hardy a bunch. Dude, it made me laugh. It, I, I was giggling like a stupid fucking school kid. Right. And because this movie is the kind of forgettable movie that we're talking about, it being when Tom Hardy blew up years ago, I'm like, I never went and clicked. I'm like, who? Because if you hear, if some dude came along, there was an actor, his name John McClane, you go, hey, hey. Right. Anyway. Or John Rambo. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Tom and Vince are kind of like walking in the car and they're on their way all suited up in there. And we're getting a little exposition here. Yeah, we're yeah. Because, yeah, and there's some news. We're seeing some stuff and hearing some stuff on the TV and the radio and, yeah. you know. And, and a, a cop is being brought up on charges for something. Right. And that's Jimmy Detello, which who, who is Tommy's cousin and partner um, and, and partner. And uh, he's Jimmy got beaten up uh, is being accused of beating up a, a suspect and uh, Tom rolled on him, which is, it's a no, no in, in uh, law enforcement. <laughs> right. It's, it's funny that we're talking about loyalty police, police. above all else, except honor. But yeah, they're talking about the Polish Hill Strangler and who was we, I guess we're going to go ahead and say that's who we saw in the beginning. Right. Um, but so, but, but Tom and Vince are off to the policeman's ball and they're all in their, they're on the dress balloons their dress balloons and they're driving along and they're talking about him rolling over on his partner. And it's, and it's all in the family because they're talking about Jimmy's dad, Tom's uncle. And and how it's all coming Uncle together, Nick. Uncle Nick. It's a it's a shit situation. You, I mean, it's not hard to figure out really quick what a bad place Tom is. Tom is in. But you know, they get to a certain point where they all the exposition finishes, and call comes in on the radio. They're black and whites are in pursuit of a, a murder suspect. I'm like, ooh, is that the guy? Is that the guy? And of course, Vince is like, "Not today, not today." It's policeman's ball. No, no, like, no! You, how dare you? Yeah, <laughs> I want to get drunk tonight on on the city's dime. Let me have this, right? <laughs> so they throw on their chair on top of the car, and off they go, and they join the pursuit. And this, again, like you said, man, you could probably needle drop in neutron dance. That's what I was saying, dude. <laughs> if all this mission is the Pointer Sisters. Yes. Right. Perfect. It, was, it fit perfectly in here. We should cut it, <laughs> oh, dude, and put it on for the Patreons. You know what? I Patreons. I would be surprised if somebody else did it. Right? You know, had already, had already done it. Maybe we'll have to seek that out when we're done recording. So this chase goes on for a little bit, and they come to a roadblock. Finally, a roadblock set up by the police, and the suspect stops. Now, I have to say something. Not, I'm not going to spoil anything right now. I'll just say when you get to the reveal of the killer at the end and you see the shape of this person throughout the movie, it, it doesn't look like, you know it's not the same person. Oh, yeah. 
And you get a clear, if you've seen the movie before and you see him in the, at the beginning, in the pursuit, the, the pursuit in the beginning, and you see, I don't know, man, maybe on, on, on the, the movieola, they couldn't see his face, but dude, I, I, I can see his face clear as day. Like that, well, that's not blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. I was like, it's so the, the killer goes, just kind of looks around, kind of like looks in his rear view mirrors, sizing things up and he just goes, all right, throws in reverse and just peels out and has, has hard them in reverse. And Dude. of course, and then now Tom, Vince, and now Uncle Nick, who showed up, and they're all just unloading their weapons on him, just unloading. They must have put they must put thirty rounds in the trunk of that fucking car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he does this weird turn, goes crashes through a chain link fence, and lands into a parking lot. Good a, six, a, low, a level down too, like yeah, it six foot drop, down yeah, a good three feet, <laughs> yeah, boom, and then they all kind of chase after him, and that's when the real chase happens, and that's oh, our yeah. Beverly Hills Cop moment. Uh, but yeah, dude, it's like it happens so quickly. In what's funny is a lot of the spots that we were seeing in this movie during the chase were uh, streets that they showed in that awesome rollerblading movie Airborne. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, it's still, it's cool to see all the same little spots, the same hills, especially those whoop de doos That's part of Airborne. If you've seen the movie, then you know what I'm talking about. So they keep going to the point where, you know, they're both Tom and Vince are yelling at each other back and forth because they're side by side with the guy now while, while the rest of the cops couldn't catch up. And he keeps, you know, Tom keeps screaming about this guy drives like a cop. This guy drives like a cop. Because he right. was so sure, and in, during that expositional dialogue, that it was a cop that that the that the the, the killer Polish strangler, yeah, yeah, the Polish Hill strangler, Polish Hill strangler was a cop. is a cop. So Finch just goes, "You yeah, fuck this," <laughs> and says, "Pull up next to him." He pulls out his his wheel gun and blows up the dude's tires, and they both simultaneously hit this embankment and then go flying in the air, and then both do little side side tumbles down this embankment. Um, man, dude, that's, I've never really felt what it's like being inside of a car rolling before. <laughs> I've oh, been yeah. in enough accidents, but I've never rolled. Dude, it's like being inside the car with them and you just like going, man, they're getting tossed. Um, and, and then they both come to a stop. And the next thing we see is Tom's regaining his consciousness as they're pulling him out of the vehicle. His car's now upside down. His Nick is there standing with him while the rest of the cops are pulling him out. The first thing Tom says is, where's my dad? And then Nick says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tommy. You know, and then he looks up and Bruce looks up and sees. Body bag. Sees being body bag <laughs> and sees his dad and he kind of gets up and runs over there limping now because his knee's jacked. And I'll come and play later. And there he is. Dad's dead. And like, he's been shot. He was shot. Tommy, he was shot. It's like, what? And he got away. The killer fucking got away. What a what a piece of shit. Jesus, how did this fucking how did this happen? Where's backup, man? Right. Anyway, so off, you know, the next time we see them, you know, Tom is in his in his, you know, in his duds again, but now he's on crutches and he's at City Hall and he's there to testify against Jimmy. Um, of course, now he's getting shit from all of his his uh, fellow cops, you know, especially Brian James, dude. <laughs> 
Okay, we talked uh, privately about how much we, uh, how, how many Chris McDonald moments we have, performances we have in this movie, and and Brian James is one dude, of them. Dude, he's he, yes, he's full throttle <laughs> the whole time. But dude, this is a movie full full throttle volatile acting. <laughs> I mean, we got Sizemore, <laughs> and and he's relatively under control, low key, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, do you know you're in trouble, man? When someone else is outshining you in the, in the right in the hyperactive delivery of dialogue department, yeah. Because I feel like every time Brian James is there, he's just like, Bruh! I mean, I don't think he's got any other thing but full tilt, and just like McDonald did in Terminal Velocity. Oh yeah. So they have their little moment, and then oh yes, man, hey dude, they if they found the dude that killed your dad, what? He's like what? Looks at Nick. He's like, "What the fuck is that? We got this guy." And they look up at the TV. And then he, and then you're like, "This dude's all, fine. who is this guy?" Oh right, he looks right there in the hallway. Yeah, he looks like a, a New York deli counter guy. <laughs> like, yeah, what? Like, what's his face from? Um, he looks like a little Polish. What's uh, the guy from Harold and Maude? He looks like that. It looks like him yeah, now. Totally. Yeah. How it, like <laughs> this guy? How this is the guy that was driving the car, and he's like, I didn't do it. And he's the most meek, the meekest. Right. <laughs> like, and right away, and right away, he looks at and Tom turns to Nick and goes, "What the fuck, dude?" And he's like, and then Nick immediately just starts giving him shit. I'm like, man, are you really his uncle? Because I feel like you're kind right? of a dick, man. <laughs> uncle Dick, not Uncle Nick. <laughs> uncle Dick. <laughs> Sorry, Uncle Dick. Nick the Let's Dick. Just call him Dick the rest of the movie. <laughs> Nick the Dick. It's. And they do a Nick. weird, and then they, I, I feel like maybe they shot something and they took it out because they jump right from City Hall to, to 31st Street Bridge. Yeah. Right? Weird. Yeah, and there's something Jimmy, missing there. Jimmy's up there ready to kill himself. And and this is their, this is like, a, we, this is the This second, is where we finally meet Jimmy Dottillo. We've only heard his name. We've and only seen heard his still name. Of him. We, I think we, we might have seen him. Maybe we see some out. video footage of him being arrested, yeah. I think. Yeah, something to that effect. And, you know, and I forget to mention, too, the City Hall, that was our first appearance of Tom Sizemore, uh, Jimmy's brother. Danny. And what's funny is, like, he kind of gives, you know, Tommy the look and, like, oh, you fucking dick. In my fucking rat. <laughs> he writ. But now here he is. Here's Jimmy standing on top of the rail of this bridge. And he's just, he's ready. He's jumping. He wants to kill himself. But and Nick and Danny are trying to talk him down. And he's full Christopher McDonald mode too. Yeah, he's just going, <laughs> dude. He's just going hard. Going on about his mom and the river and dad. What, what about me, dad? <laughs> yeah. Then Tommy shows up and he's trying to like get Jimmy to come down. And he says he gets out of the car. He starts making his way over there. Oh, and there's Brian James. Brian what James. do you do? Come to push him? Yeah, to push him. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> He come to give him a push, Tommy. Oh my God, that's so ridiculous. He's like, you just think to yourself, man, you can't be that much of a dick, but he is. He's that much of a dick. Hey, he's Brian James. So Jimmy's going on to Tommy about who's the best cop ever. He's, you're, the, you're the best cop. Always, Jimmy, you're the best cop. And then Tommy's reaching out. Come on, just step down and just step down. And he turns and he goes, fuck this and jumps off. Yep. That's a good drop, man. Dude, yeah. I mean, I know it's a dummy. But it, they they weighted him down properly where it didn't look yeah, funny. Yeah, and, for sure. And the lighting helped. Man, that was nuts. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, he's fucking dead. Right. And it, I totally bought it too because they had already killed Mahoney, who I was like, fucking, that's all John Mahoney's in this movie? I, I forgot right. he was in the movie, first of all. Second of all, he's dead like 13 minutes in. <laughs> right. So I wasn't shocked when they killed off. Uh, 
I mean, I could buy it when they kill off uh, Pastorelli. It really is the weirdest thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was like, you, you, boom, boom, two dudes dead. I'm like, whoa. And, you know, we talked about it during Eraser, how, you know, big Pastorelli was. But right at this point in 93, when they shot us in 92, dude, Murphy Brown was massive. Oh, yeah. And, and so... It, he it was, was, yeah, he was, he was, he was a top flight grab, especially someone trying to jump from TV to movies. And seeing him do this role, as opposed to, you know, playing Elton on um, Murphy Brown, who's like, you know, the mild mannered stoner fucking sidekick right. of, of, of Candace Bergen. Like, I was like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? Right. You know, I was like, he's playing Tom Sizemore's brother. Holy shit. You know, cause I, you know, I was already into Sizemore from other things like, you know. Flight of the Intruder and you know, some other things, Sleeping Dogs Lie, whatever. Um, you know, and I was like, this guy's badass, and it, but he's now he's dead. <laughs> right. Like, what the hell happened to him? So then you have a superposition that says two years later, and then they pan to a boat, right? <laughs> In a river. In the river. Or marmalade skies. One of the three rivers. I don't know which one to the only ever say which river. It doesn't it was. matter. No. Somebody in somebody the in Tigris or the Euphrates. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> and now it's been it's been a little while and there's Tommy. Yeah, he's a he's fully disheveled now and he throws on his clothes and after he grabs a drink and you know, he's clearly somebody that's enjoying the bottle these days and he's living in it. He's still uh, you know, blaming him. It's clear he's been blaming himself for Jimmy killing himself. For Jimmy's death, he's blaming himself for his dad's death. Everything. Um, you know, he couldn't catch the Polish Hill Strangler. He still thinks that's all bullshit. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of issues. So he, he gets on his, he gets on his boat. He's he got a houseboat, but he's got a secondary boat that uses for traveling, basically his car. And he scoots up to uh, the, the river police station that he works out of. And on his way there, which we don't know that's where he's going, but we'll, we just figure it out when they cut to that station and Tim Busfield's there going, fucking, where's that guy at? He's clearly his partner. It's like, where is he? I bet you he's going to be late. He's like, I'll bet you 20 bucks he's going to be late. And someone's like, all right, I bet. I'll take that bet. And literally as soon as he hands him the money, <laughs> you hear his boat horn. He look, Busfield looks outside and there's, there's Tommy parking his parking, docking his boat. And he comes running out there and he's just giving Tommy the shit. You know, obviously Tommy is, is where he's at. He doesn't like being where he's at. He got knocked down. He's not a detective anymore because of, well, a lot of reasons. And right. it's not the alcohol. And he's, he's got, he lost his detective shield because he ratted out a yeah. fellow officer. And what do they call, what do they call those cops they put on the river? River rats. River rat. Hey, but you know, I'm going to say this. If they didn't want him to make waves, they shouldn't have put him on the water. (laughs) (laughs) Look, man, I didn't write it. Somebody did, but it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, well, Buzzfield is like, he's so focused on giving Tommy shit. You know, he's up there and Tommy's just casual. Like, yeah, come on, man. You know, unrope us so we can get going. Hey, secure that line. Yeah. So he gets to the gets to the stern and he just goes, and then while he's doing that, he guns it and Buzzfield ends up in the water because he's a dummy. Right, because we we and we all every and dude, I swear I saw it in the theater and about half the people in the theater clapped when Buzzfield went to the water. Yeah, because at that time back in the day, yeah, he was like he was thirty like, something. He was, was it right? Yeah. But then he right like at, the, but, but he was. But this is you know a few years after. 
Field of Dreams, or he was a dick in that. <laughs> right. Same dude. Yeah, but he was kind of the, he 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 was that he was like he was the guy at that point. Like if he needed that sort of you know he's the, it later became um, who's the guy that kind of became that oh um, David Paymer sort of took that role over yeah. from Busfield like later in the nineties. You know, it's just that you know you're that guy, a little smarmy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You want to slap him? It's terrible. You, everyone loves to see him go in the river. So he takes off and he's like, gets on the radio, he's yelling at Tommy. Tommy's just like, fuck off, dude. You know, go change your clothes and I'll come back for you later. <laughs> just and goes out on my ass. first patrol by himself. I mean, he and he, Tommy's not even out on, on the water very long before dispatch calls him to a 111, which is a body dump in the river. And he gets there. You're like, hey, where's your diver at? I'm like, uh, you know. <laughs> he fell off. Yeah, which is true. Right, he did. And uh, they they turn over the floater, and you, you don't get it's it. It's a young later. lady. It's a young lady. And uh, very, much the, very much the same kind of make that we saw in the very beginning. Yeah, very similar to, to, you, to that the it took girl, two years right? prior. That we, to the Polish Hill Strangler, Polish Strangler girls. But this time, this young lady's got bullet holes in her, yeah. in her heart. One in the heart and one in the head. Is one, that right? Uh, no, I think I think she had like two or, three, heart. two or three rounds. I think they make a joke about not a joke, but a terrible pun where they said like yeah, a couple of slugs to the pump. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Because of the heart, yeah. So there you go. It's like oh man, so copycat or what? Or it, circumstantial? Circumstantial. Yeah. At this point, you don't know anything because it's already it's not it's not the Polish Hill Stranglers' mo. He always strangles him. That's why he was called the Polish Hill Strangler. Right. Not, not the, the Polish, Polish Hill, you know, shooter. Bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> the Polish Hill's marksman. So that's, he's all fucked and everything. He's super pissed. And, uh, and then the next time we see him, right? Don't we? The next time we see him, he's showing up and he's getting a new partner. Yeah, man. The next time we see him, he's, he's showing back up. At, and- he's back at the River PD. And look, dude, you're getting a new, you're getting a new partner. He's like, new partner. Joe Chrisman. Joe Chrisman. And this is what is he what what is he like? <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> not what you expect. He's not what you expect. So she was like kind of messing with him. Yeah. That was that was the what, feels like he, there's something missing there too. Like well, they like they knew each other before he because he'd only been there for like two days and they already had this like kind of weird chemistry, him and the uh the dispatcher. Like they felt like they knew each other from somewhere else. So he gets called into the office and Oh my gosh, there he is telling him there's, there's his boss telling him like, all right, here's your, here's your partner. We cut to uh, the boat on the dock there, the PD with Tommy just kind of waiting for Joe. And as Joe's coming down, she's walking with Busfield, you know, you're not hearing what they're saying. And you know, he's just telling her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch out for him. He's going to do X, Y, and Z to you. Just be ready for it. So Bruce tries to play the, play the game on, on Sarah and she's just like, Psst, no, grabs on the rail while she's unroping everything and off they go. And they're doing their thing, man. Just out in the two new partners together doing their thing on the river. <laughs> out doing their thing, man. It reminded me a lot of Huck and Tom Sawyer. It was interesting. I, I, I didn't think about that until last night when I was watching it just because of what happens next. This is what made me really think about it last night, but not prior to last night, which is kind of weird, right? Yeah, totally. So as they're kind of like cruising along, there's a barge pushing what looks like asphalt. I mean, it looks like raw asphalt. For, I can't really tell. Yeah, it's some, I mean, I'm guessing it's some sort of byproduct of the steel mill or something. You know, Maybe some, so. 
some sort of waste from the furnaces or something. I'm not sure. But as they're kind of like slowly patrolling past this, this, uh, pontoon boat, <laughs> if you want to call it a pushing this giant, uh, well, it's like it's a little tugboat pushing yeah. a, like a garbage scow. Yeah, that was about right. And you wonder why the water's dirty there. <laughs> right? And you get some clear looks about how dirty this water is in this movie. It's you pretty- know what I want to say about the water? That's it. If they didn't want him to make waves, <laughs> they couldn't just put him on it. <laughs> so there. Uh, anyway, as they're kind of cruising by this tugboat, we see some man with a handgun inside inside the, the boat like ushering people around like oh man they're being held up they're being robbed and of course Joe says to Tommy did you see that he goes yep so they, they kind of go ahead after they kind of wave to one of the other assailants up at, on the bridge god damn it we hope I remember what the fuck things are called on the bridge <laughs> on the bridge ironically they go forward and kind of like peel out towards the bridge and while they're doing that, Joe's taking over the reins of the boat while Tommy gets off, grabs a shotgun, and he tells her, just keep going, call it in dispatch that we need backup. So we don't see Tommy. Tommy just disappears with the shotgun after he, after he de-shells it. <laughs> and, and puts him in his mouth. Puts him in his mouth, right? The next time we see him, he's climbing out of the water on... Up onto the, sc- onto the scow. Yeah, and he's just climbing up, and like, and he's still got the shotgun shells in his mouth, and I'm like, Wait, how does that? I mean, what were they trying to go for there to to protect the rounds from? Yeah, getting you're keeping wet? Them, you're keeping the rounds from getting soiled from getting wet. But then they get, yeah. but they're still sitting in his uh, mouth. I mean, he yeah, but your mouth's probably a lot drier than the river. Maybe they're trying to keep them getting dirty, <laughs> dirty shotgun shells. Don't want the jam, don't want to jamming. We don't want people to have in. We don't you want people to get infections. Saw the end of the road warrior when want, when he put that dirty shell in the shotgun. We don't want an infection. It's very important for no infection. Right, you got to. He didn't have any hand sanitizer to wipe those things down with. That's bad. So it's like you know, he's like a dog. You put it in your mouth, and your mouth is most cleanest place (laughs) on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So Tommy gets above this tugboat and makes quick work of everybody in there because we haven't really seen Bruce Willis do anything in this movie at this point. You know, he hasn't done anything that action-wise, or, or he hasn't really engaged anybody. Yeah, he drives a car in it, but really, what was he doing? He sat behind the wheel of a car on a soundstage sometimes. So there you go. He So yeah, he just gets up there, and, and he's just taking out fools. There's probably like, what, one, two, three, four, five guys, right? Yeah. Something like that. And he takes care of them, shoots one, gets a nice shotgun shot. The, the, this dude's like mid-range, and and put him down. But that was it. He, I mean, she didn't do anything. <laughs> she, <laughs> he took care of everybody. Um, except, except for right when he goes to the bridge to take care of business. Where's that guy he waved to? He's not in, he's on the bridge. Right. Where's the captain? And then you hear Joe over the PA in the boat. Hardy behind you! <gasps> Hardy! It's, it's, it's funny because it's such a T, it's a, such a movie thing. And I wish, why would you just say, look out? Why do you have to say his name first? You're like wasting time saying his name. I know it's, I know again, it's a movie trope, but it's just, <laughs> it's like one of those things, just say, just say, turn around I, or yeah. look out. Don't, don't throw extra words in front of the most important thing is like, look out. Right. Don't sing me a song before you tell me to look out. Don't turn around. Uh-oh. There are commissars <laughs> in town. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Tommy Mealy just swings a 180 and goes, boom, puts a hole in the guy that he waved to earlier. And, you know, the guy gives him a look like, oh, man, I thought we were friends. No, down he goes. And that's it. Like, we get to see, like, oh, my gosh, he may be drunk and he may be a river rat now, but he can still take care of business. Look at him go. Right. It's like it's kind of like a, a worn out, liquored up version of John McClane. Yeah, much like right? he is in Die Hard with a Vengeance, right? Yeah, like yeah, like he was he was honing his character for Die Hard with a Vengeance, or had Die Hard with a Vengeance come already? Did no, it come out nine, right before this, ninety five. Oh yeah, so right, he yeah he started working that sort of uh, you know worn out, drunk scumbag. Right. Uh, maybe with the heart of gold cop. Yeah. He was kind of, he was kind of the same. He was kind of a little bit Joe Hollenbeck from the last boy scout in this movie. Yeah. Yep. On the, their second time out together, it's nighttime now. And the, uh, Tommy docks the boat and like leaves Joe there and says, I got, you know, it's time for dinner. I'm going to see a friend. And he walks in, he, he takes off and walks into a bar and he's asked for a Chicanus, and we're like, "Oh, Chicanus!" And the bartender never like, heard oh, of him. I've not even seen him tonight. And as soon as you know, yeah, I'm like, "Oh, who the fuck's Chicanus?" And then they get a reverse shot, and you see the dude come walking out of the out of the John. Sees Tommy bails, and he runs for it. And Tommy goes immediately after him, like, "Oh, that's the dude that ratted out Kesser, right?" Right. So catches up with him, puts a gun to his cheek, and just says, "Who, who fucking paid you to say that Kesser was the man?" Who told you? Who told you that? And just kind of threatens him. And then Joe shows up with her weapon drawn. You just you, not backing Put him. Put it down, Hardy. Put yeah, it not, down. Not backing him up. Put like it you should have. Ooh, what a cruel twist, twist of fate when your partner's not doing what you want them to do. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. How's it feel? Scumbag. No I'm kidding. <laughs> Fucking rat. So he finally puts his gun down and Chicanus goes running off. And then, you know, of course. Now, Joe gets the wrath of Tommy. Like, supposed to back a partner up. And I'm like, hey, didn't you two years before Wait this? Wait a second. Uh, didn't you do? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. So there. Well, he's he not thinking clear. He's a boo. He, you know, he's, 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 he lives in a perpetual cloud of booze and regret. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like they, all flawed noir heroes. Right. So he cuts from there to an office and Joe's is on the phone yapping with somebody, um, some obviously some family member because they're talking about his grandfather and her grandmother. And in walks a very young, very svelte. Andre Brower. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I keep saying I'm Tom Bauer, dude. <laughs> that's best that's, that's uh camera gear. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I keep saying that. So I got Jeez, dude. What's happening today? Uh, Anton Brower <laughs> mm-hmm. playing uh, district attorney Frank Morris. And you just said Anton again. I know. Antoine. It's Andre. It's Andre. Andre Brower. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I haven't edited in a while either. So there you go. Get, get my chops back up. <clears throat> playing district attorney Frank Morris. And now we're finding out, oh, wait, he tells her, you know what? Tommy got demoted because he was on television. So the Frank, he says that the, he thought the, the Polish Hill Strangler was a policeman. And that's why he got demoted. And so she plays, he plays her a clip for a minute. And she's like, oh. But the whole time I'm like going, wait, what are you doing talking to this guy? I mean, we don't know who he is, really. Yeah, we have no idea. We, is he but, we, but we know one thing. Um, I, I right away, you automatically think, is, is he IA? 
You know, that's yeah, what you think sure. of right away. And then of course, now you're thinking she's IA. Now you're kind of second guessing her too. I'm like, oh, well, what the, what the, what Joe? What the what? Come on. I go, of course, the irony is building up here about, you know, him possibly being investigated for, I don't know for what really. <laughs> what would Tommy be investigated for? Up. Yeah. I think that I think that the corruption in the in the uh, in the department to keep this secret a secret. Uh, they're just you know they're looking to just anything to discredit him, and the fact that he keeps going public with his whole criticism of the of the uh, police department and the city and the whole deal. I th- I think it's just you know everybody's kind of you know conspiring against Tom Hardy at this point. Right after that, we we cut to uh, we cut to a, a hospital. And uh, we see a nurse and she's off. She's just wrapping up her shift, right? And she's piecing out and she gets to her car, which is so weird, right? Now, what, what, she gets to her car to put her key into the, into the, the, the lock. But what, what is it? Is it like fused together? Is it soldered? I mean, there's a, I can't tell what it is, but there's something that's not allowing her to put her key into a, in the door. And of course she just thinks it's just, you know. I felt like he's filled it full of JB Weld. <laughs> that know, would that. work, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I think I saw that in another movie. So maybe that it's something like that. Some sort of liquid metal or yeah. super glue works too. So she gets all, eh, and so she goes to the other side of the car. When she does that, uh, we get a POV of a hand holding on to a, a taser gun. And not the old, not, not the newer style of tasers where you're, you're actually seeing, you know, a line and an actual projectiles. Now this is just like body on the device type of, Electrocution, <laughs> and he and she just gets zapped. Boom. <laughs> yep. This is back in the day when only cops had tasers. Yep. And they cut to Tommy's like on his boat, right? Just kind of chilling, drinking like he does. <laughs> like, can we just assume he's drinking throughout the whole movie? Always. Yeah, he's he's always got a drink in his hand unless somebody's there to tell him why are you drinking. Unless someone's there to see him drink. Yes, exactly. He's yeah. always drinking unless <laughs> someone's there to stop him. He's, but he's got, he's not, doesn't have a lot of light in the room, but he hears somebody kind of like rattling at his front door and he doesn't move from his chair. He just grabs his piece and aims at the door and shadowy figure comes in there. And all of a sudden we hear a voice that sounds all too familiar. And it's his cousin, Danny. Oh, hey, shit. Hey, where have you been? Yeah. We haven't seen him since the funeral. Or yeah. Since the bridge. Since the bridge. Cause he peaced out. He ran up to California, according to him and uh, uncle Nick. Uncle Nick. <laughs> and you know he comes in there and goes yeah it's a good way to get yourself killed danny ah, whatever fuck off out of california oh it's sunny and they start pouring and drinking they're having drinks together and talking about it you know i always blame hugging you. it out yeah hugging it out i blame you know i'm sorry I, I blamed you for jimmy for jimmy and jimmy was crazy he was damaged goods just like my right. mom and nobody blah, saw blah, it blah. yeah yeah him and my mom both nuts so they make up and they hug each other and off he takes off and then Short while later, you get a phone call and he answers it. And what's on the other end? Little Red Riding Hood. And then he just like, what? Now, he was already going, okay. I didn't think much of that first body, but now you got this other thing. And now he starts thinking that the Strangler is playing this for him because of the body he found earlier. He doesn't realize that somebody's been snagged yet until he starts listening closer. And then you can hear her, the girl muffled moans and screams. Yeah. And then pop, pop, pop. What? Three shots. 
Didn't that girl have three holes in her chest? Oh, this is body number two that's happening right now. So do we know what we know what something's going down now? And it, 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 we have that, that luxury in this movie of seeing things that Tommy doesn't. Right. And I, do, I don't ever feel that's a crutch. I don't ever feel like it it gets in the way or telegraphs things too much along the way, which is good. No, no not at all. They get a call for another 111. Mm-hmm. And he shows up there and... And everybody's there. Everybody's there. And this time around... Brian James. <laughs> yeah. You know, playing Eddie Eiler. And this is, again, he, him as Detective Eddie Eiler, he's on all the time. And he's talking to the TV about the murder, saying it's a copycat. This isn't, you know... Which, and by the way, I always thought it was funny that they went out of their way to say it was a copycat when the the two victims now have been shot as opposed right. to the other strangled. strangled. But it was funny as them keep fighting back. No, no, no. That guy, you know, that, you know, Kessler's the one that did it. He's in there. I'm like, well, why will, you know, how would he know certain things about how things are happening? It doesn't really, it's like you're, you're the whole time you were Tommy going, well, I don't get that either. Even though we get a chance to see a little bit more than he does. Then now Nick shows up. Uncle Nick. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Nick. Dick. Yeah. Of course, Eddie shows up and it's more ball busting again. It's just kind of like, man, fucking pump the brakes on that shit. It gets... <laughs> It's so yeah, it's old. getting old, Uncle Dick. But you know, um, I think this is when we see this is where we see Danny, right? Right. Uh, Danny shows know, up. Danny shows yep. up after Nick gives him the shit like he's reprimanding him. Keep your ass up here. Don't come down here. Right, like he's like he's ten. Yeah, <laughs> stay here, you little brat. And now Nick's just giving him pushback because Tommy's like, sure, the Strangler's back, and he goes bullshit. So next time we see Tommy, he's like, he's like, fuck this. And he's like, and he shows up in the records department at the police department and he, he grabs uh, their police report, the arrest report for Kessler when he got arrested for the Polish Hill Strangler case. And on his way out, Eddie catches him and they bust each other's balls for a second or two. And his boy, I tell you, Eddie, man, right away, Susie does, uh, uh, Nick, uh, Nick. <laughs> And then he goes, I feel like he's always crybabying the Nick. Oh, Tommy takes something with me. They both realize it was, uh, it was Polish Hill Strangler Report. And, and then Nick chases after him outside the precinct. And what you got there? Just some piece of paper, blah, 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 blah. Go fuck yourself. It's not the same guy. More back and forth. Fuck yeah. you, Uncle Nick. And fuck it's, you. And it's, fuck you. Right, right. And it's just a, a constant F you back and forth. I'm like. Yeah, and, and that's something too. Freena kind of, you know, steps on the gas quite a bit in this movie too. And yeah, man, Freena, yeah, he, yeah, he's he's hot. he he was flashing back to Midnight Run. <laughs> oh, man, seriously, I mean, he's got in this movie because he can. We've seen him be very controlled and like give some fine performances. I mean, he's great in Midnight Run playing man, that I'm character. Gonna... But if you like, out of sight, just him. That's like why he stood so much in that stood out so much in out of sight because he was so not the usual Farina we're used to seeing, where he's just kind of like get shorty, get shorty. Yeah, any episode of Crime Story, there you go. Yeah, man. Let me. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys who can go from zero to a hundred in like a blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's policeman's ball time again. It's hey, yeah. <laughs> You know what would be what would be nice is if Tommy had a date. Yeah, it'd be nice. Oh, look, it's Joe, all dolled up in a red dress Dude, that, that I mean, I'm almost betting that she wore when, some point during weekend uh, honey uh, honeymoon in Vegas, right? Right. I mean, something. I was like, holy smokes. Yeah, 
And this is where, you know, he has, she's got to, now she's got to come and meet the Hardys. Yep. Meet the Hardys. Now, here's the thing. It's not necessarily day to date of, uh, you know, two years later after, after Vince was killed, but it's kind of like, you know, some policeman's ball again. You got to have some kind of memorial of some kind. No, but they do have a little moment where they, where his, his family catches up with with Tommy and says, hey, come over and have a drink. We'll celebrate you, you know, your dad. Dude, how excited were you when he showed up? And, and who played Uncle Fred? Uncle Fred is the glorious Tom Atkins. Oh. Yeah. Good. So, couldn't have been any better. So, And I totally had, couldn't, I didn't even remember he was in the movie. Yeah. And then you get a lot of that in this movie. Like we mentioned earlier, it's like you, you get people that pop up. You're like, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. And Tom's, and that, I mean, Larry, dude, that's as much as he's in it. Is this this a policeman? Yeah, that's the only time we see him. That's it. So they all they all toss some drinks back and let's celebrate, you know, Vince Hardy. Yay. And then Danny, who is oh man, fucked up. <laughs> uh a side of future dealings with Mr. Sizemore. I, you know, boy, you really know how drunk how good of an actor he is because he really actually he actually like a good drunk that we've actually would see 10 years later on TMZ or whatnot. Oh yeah. He's pissed. He's drunk off his ass. Why aren't we? Why aren't we having to toss someone Let's back for my, my mother? For my mom. She died right there in the river too. But de- 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 what about my brother? <laughs> they took half my family. This river. <laughs> this yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> so Man, ridiculous. It goes all Mark Twain on us right now. Holy shit! And then all of a sudden, there's a fight. That, that breaks out. And you the know, Irish so, and the Italians. It's so funny is like, is how, how it just breaks out. Like Brian James, dude, he like, Tommy's trying to stop the altercation that's going on here. And Brian James just goes, just, I'm going to, I, I just want to, <laughs> I, I, I need to punch Tommy <laughs> really bad. Yeah. And he like pops him. And then of course, Bruce's shirt's getting all torn up and all this crap. It's just, it's a nutty. And it's, it feels real because how many times have you seen fights where people end up like that? It wasn't over the top. Dude. It wasn't all nope. playing choreographed. It was just, that's, I've had too much to drink testosterone brawl and that's that and there was i like, want to say this because i don't think we said it earlier but hats off to the stunt team yes uh, for that car chase and for this fight for it not being like dude this was this totally felt real yeah I've seen it a million times yeah you know um the, the way willis walks away with his shirt torn off. yeah i mean the way it's torn you've seen you've seen that guy some of us have even been that guy not me personally. I've had to carry off friends that have been in that condition afterwards. But right, I've had I've had to walk that guy the, out of the party. Right, where his shirt was torn like his, but he was probably more of a condition that Danny was in. Because <laughs> that's how those things go. Because I, I don't think, other than uh, his tribute drink, I don't think he was even drinking at the thing. Was he? No. Uh, well, I just assume Willis is always drinking. In but this yeah. <laughs> Didn't we already say that? I, yeah. Yes, we I gotta, did. I got to take my own advice. Yeah. But, but Brian James is just yelling at him like anytime, man. I'm like, well, dude, you were fighting right there. Right. Like, anytime you get, the only reason you stopped fighting is because you, you got punched in the, you, you sucker you, punched him and you got, and all of a sudden it was real and it was too real for you. Eddie. Right. And lucky there's 19 officers between you guys. Yeah. Wouldn't it be really funny if he was actually part of the family and he was cousin Eddie. Eddie Eiler, <laughs> Irish cousin, cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie. Anyway, so it was this big to do, and Joe intervenes, of course, and takes him home. And of course, Danny's like, "Woo, best night of the year! <laughs> Better than the Fourth of fucking July!" So 
So Joe and Tommy get back to Tommy's houseboat and, you know, he immediately grabs his bottle and she goes, here, the answer is not in the bottle. And he goes, well, this is for now until a real answer comes along. Right. And then she takes it and, and takes it, dumps it down the sink. And of course, like they start getting going at it heavily. Just, the next thing you know. And she just goes, but I want your penis in me. <laughs> That's not what she and, says. Then she just comes at him and just starts macking on him. Yeah, man. Yeah. But then we're into some skin. But yeah. And there was like, uh, you know, there was like, it was crazy because it went from him yelling at her and they're kind of like arguing to like telling her to leave, get out of here. This is some bullshit. And, you know, he's not telling her to leave because necessarily because she's, you know, telling him what to do. She's, he's like, because he's, she's his partner. And now he's seen two people that he, that he has a, a yeah, past man, relationship he's with dead. He's worried for her. That doesn't matter because all of a sudden he's like, little Tommy is like going, nope, you need some of this and I need some of this too. And then they, they she go needs at some it. Of this. Yeah. And then, you know, this is that time too. I always forget that Sarah Jessica Parker wasn't afraid to show a little skin. Now she's not naked in it, but you know, her underwear is a little, little less than what you would normally see from her. Yeah, man. And she was, uh, I mean, she, gosh, she was probably 27 at this point. Like she was, you know, probably she had sort of, she had sort of started to grow into like, um, you know, this is pre sex in the city, but post, you know, footloose. Post footloose. Uh, <laughs> girls post, just want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. This is where she was making the separation between her and Jamie Gertz permanent. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Cause right. There would look, there could be only one as like, as I, as I would say, and they, you know, they were kind of interchangeable, right. For a while. I mean, maybe Jamie Gertz was even a little bit, you know, you know, lost boys. I'm just saying it was like, yeah. And it didn't, you know, it really didn't help either too, with them both being on square pegs together. Right. You know, I always forget. I thought I thought it was just one of them, and then I'm like, but then I realized, no, it's both. The both of them were yeah, crazy man. So anyway, they kind of do their vavoom vavooms, you know. But while they're doing it, oh, I guess some POV is some creeper, but we don't see them. We're just seeing the POV watching them. Oh my gosh, it's the killer, isn't it? Ooh. It's somebody's watching. Well, you know, some you know, hey, he knows the phone number. This is 1993, man. People don't just Get phone numbers, and he most certainly going to get a cop's number in the phone book. So, so there he goes. He's calling on the phone earlier, and now he's just peeping on him. We cut away. We see Tom and Joe on another patrol. Um, I'm assuming it's the next day. <laughs> they yes, didn't, I'm gonna they say just next like they didn't wipe the sucks off and then go yeah, see it. Up. They just took a dip in the river. By the way, yeah, I said that I thought about at the beginning of the movie, and I thought about it again since we got a replay of well, actually seeing the policeman's ball this time. Is everybody there? Is anybody working? I'm just wondering if that's the night that you want to go and rob places in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's just the upper DF. I think you got to be a certain grade to go to the policeman's ball. Yeah. I got to, I got to think that Tommy's not going a silly ass thing if his dad's not the captain, right? Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. He's only good for selling policeman's ball tickets. He's not good enough to go. Well, he doesn't even look like he's dressed to go. No. It's an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. Because he just shows up in a black shirt and he wasn't, you're supposed to show up in your, and your colors, you probably don't want to wear them anymore. Well, he actually technically wouldn't be wearing the same colors, right? Because no, not, he's not detective he anymore. River rat. Yeah. So. I mean, he could have worn that like costume with the big ears, but then, you know, <laughs> then it's real weird. It he deserves so- to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're on patrol, they see someone dumping, uh, see somebody dumping a, a, what looks like a Wait, body. Yeah, man. Off a bridge. Like a, like a body. We're like, what? 
and all of a sudden they're like they go after him, man. And the car takes off and it's driving along the road that's perpendicular to the river. And he's just screaming on the boat and he's taking shots at him, just like unloading his weapon on this car, trying to get away. And he gets enough damage on where, I don't know if he hits the guy or he just fucks the car up enough and the car flips over. And Oh, he shoots it with the flare gun. No, that's hits right. It, hits it, shoots it right in the gas tank. Yeah, and it blows up. See? Forgettable moments. <laughs> Forgettable but brilliant while they're happening. Dude, like that's a great that's another great chase. And then like I never I had never seen anybody like start firing a flare gun at a yeah. moving car from a boat. Yeah. So you know why? Because if they didn't want him to make waves, they wouldn't have put him on the water. That's right. Mm. But the dude escapes, you see him run off into the woods. They're in they're in, in the water and the bank man and they're fuck off and everything. So next we cut back to them recovering you know, the, the diving team, including Tim Busfield, are pulling the, the body out of the water and they start unwrapping it. And it just, we discover what? Ah, oh, it's just a oh, bunch of man. rugs. It's just some dirty old carpet. Yeah. So now now Tom and Joe are being, you know, chastised and humili- humiliated by, by, hey, what a surprise. Uncle Nick shows up to give him some bullshit. I'm like, oh, Jesus, this train again? <laughs> yeah, right. Good Lord. So you know what? In all fairness, Busfield deserves to bust his balls a little bit. You know, I think he, he earned does. it. Yeah. He dumped him in the gooey river. Later on, they, we, you know, Tom and Joe are having their more conversations about about their suspicions, and they feel a killer purposely dumped the rugs to discredit them. And I think that's pretty fair, right? Yeah. Eddie now is talking to Nick. He's like, you know what, man? I think it's Tommy, man. I think Tommy's doing this. I think Tommy's doing well, this. You think shit. it's Danny? Huh? I think, you know, it's at one point I thought maybe like my first, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's Danny. Maybe I'm thinking Danny's that too. Good. Maybe it's Tommy. But, but, but Eddie, you know. but Eddie's got such a stick up his ass for Tommy. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's all blaming Tommy at this point. And oh, you know yeah. what? At this point we haven't seen a lot of uh, movies where, where the character work was so developed enough to where maybe he was split personality or anything like that. This isn't that movie. You're going to get that next year with. Color and color of money. Color me color of money because you watch fucking color, color of night. night. You fucked me all up, man. Because I, if I didn't see it, I hadn't been on Letterbox in like a month, and I go on there, and you're like color of money and hustler. I'm like, fuck yeah, those are awesome movies. And then that color of money was in my head. Color yeah, well, of night. Okay. Color yeah. of night. What a Joe Esterhaz wannabe garbage fest. Anyway, Dude, yeah, there, we, we should. We, there's three movies we could cover like in you know ten minutes. One of them it's color of night, traces of red. <laughs> And uh, there's one more. Sliver. Sliver works for me. Too. Sliver. Yeah, there you go. Those three movies, all the same movie. We can yeah. talk about them all in 15 minutes. Yeah, that much? Do we need that I much? Mean, that's just that's, that's just to give us time to lead in and an out. <laughs> we spend 14 minutes talking about, why did you make this movie? You're better than this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Eddie's just fucking sure that's Tommy. But I mean, you know what? I can kind of see his place on this. You know, hey, look, man. When you're when you're looking critically, I mean, sure. I mean, he kind of looks like he's maybe he knows all the victims. He's obsessed with the case. Right. Maybe he's trying to prove that he was right. He's you know he's on a revenge kick for his dad. We don't know. Right. I mean, and also, as far as everybody knows, I mean, he was there when it happened. Who knows? Right. So, yeah, right. logic would dictate. Yeah. So after so after Eddie kind of you know gives Nick his two cents. He's like, you, you know, we got to do something. Man. We got to arrest him. He's like, I can't arrest him, but you know what I can do? I can, I can interfere. He's like going, you know, someone, 
Yeah, yeah, but that's going to take two weeks to invest, you know, call IA. You got to take two, two weeks of surveillance before we can get anything on them. And he goes, how about three weeks? He goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, I'll watch this. And then you, you don't know what the fuck's going on. It's just a phone call. They say, you know, we're in the courtroom, right? <laughs> and Tom's being removed from the force. They're having a hearing. And we're like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, it turns out that Browers brought him in. And then they call Emily Harper to the stand. And you're like, well, who the fuck is that? Who's it was Emily Officer Harper? Emily Harper. And in walks Joe. Oof. And, and we're, Slam. we are, even though we saw her earlier with DA, we don't think anything of it, right? Not anything like that. Nope. I, again, I, because it happened so long and so much had happened in between that I totally forgot that she had that conversation with Brower. Right. Yeah. So she gets on the stand, swears in, and Brower starts kind of questioning her. Lead, leading. He's kind of leading. He's not really questioning. He knows what she's going to say because she's been reporting to him because well, we discover that anyway, that she's been working undercover for IA and that she's been, that, 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 that Tommy's being investigated, had been under investigation. What? No. What? Sorry. What? <laughs> so she's sitting there and he's, like you said, he's leading her in. And then right at the point where you're like, Tommy's fucked because they bring up him pulling, brandishing the weapon and putting against. Chicanas. Chicanas, fuck. Because they're talking about the scene with Chicanas where he was threatening him with a weapon. And she perjures herself and says, no, I didn't pull my weapon out. I didn't pull it on Hardy. I pulled it to back my partner. It's a backup to support my partner. And then Brower's like, what? And the room goes silent. <laughs> and the room goes silent because and she's sure of it. Because he's so sure that she's going to say something because she's already reported to him. But she flat out lies on the stand. The hearing finds him in his favor and he's, he's still on the job. But they have a conversation outside there. And then clearly Tommy's pissed at her. Like, you know, why'd you lie? I didn't lie. It was nasty. It was a good, good little moment. I don't want to get into it too much because, yeah, know, yeah, it's two lovers. <laughs> well, oddly, it's weird because it's funny because the, when I when this movie came out, I remember when I went to see it, I thought, okay, well, it's weird. Sarah Jessica Parker in this kind of movie. But she actually is really pretty good in this movie, I think. Yeah, she's good in it. And, and she doesn't have a lot to work with, but she makes the most of what's there. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said before, this is not your typical action movie. An action movie, she would have had far less, even less to do. But again, it's more it's more of a thriller than it is an action movie. And and so there is some actual substantial acting that's being called upon of everybody here. Because nobody's bad in this movie. Some people are just a little over the top. It's nothing that ruins the movie. Nobody's phoning it in is what I'm going to say. Which is rare in the 90s because of cocaine. <laughs> as, we've, as we've covered the la for the last six weeks or yeah. eight weeks. Cocaine. There's a, there's, yeah, there's some people that phone it in in some of the movies we watched, but nobody's phoning it in this movie. No. But, you know, Emily goes to her house, to her apartment and she's kind of doing her thing and, um, she's just kind of looking around and she gets kidnapped. Dude. But they're kind of intercutting, <clears throat> they're intercutting with Tom back on his houseboat with the cat. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Does he get the call again? He gets the call. The cat comes through, but the cat leaves bloody footprints, remember? Yep. But we don't know. We we you know we've right. seen it's it's cut. It's very it's very well cut right. between her being kidnapped, the phone call, and what's going on in Willis's uh, house. Right, and when we don't because we don't know if the blood that we that we're looking at is Joe's or not. Right, or by or by where she goes by or she goes by blood it is. she goes by Emily now. Right, there's a great moment by the way where Bruce kind of I think Bruce says her name wrong, her character name wrong, 
And he, and he kind of does this great ad lib where I think it's an ad lib anyway, because I'm never going to get used to that name. Right. I, for some reason, I feel like they shot this in chronological order because he, it seemed, because you see her reaction and it was, she was, she was kind of like holding it together. Like she waiting for a director called cut. Yeah. She's waiting for Rowdy to drop the cut. <laughs> Come on, Rowdy. We see all this blood and then they get, Tommy gets a phone call and it's boom, the needle drop again. Boom. And then he finds his coworker from River Rescue, the dispatcher we've seen a few times in the movie, Kim Lee, all wrapped up, pulls her up, and he goes, that's it, enough of this bullshit. Now, he is so sure at this point that it's Danny. Yeah, totally. Because every because everybody that's been dispatched in his in, in these of these four murders that is people that he's known, and obviously they're trying to set him up. Or to make or to punish him. Right. You know, for chasing after him all those years ago. But now he's so sure that it's Danny because these murders didn't happen until Danny, Danny showed came up. came back from California. So Tommy goes, heads up river to the Detello family cabin, which they kind of talked about when, when Danny did his, made his appearance. Yeah, we saw the picture of the three of them as kids. There was a little interchange there. Remember, yeah. we were the three, uh, la, 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 and there's the yeah. three of them standing in front of it with a fish. Yeah. For, you know, five generations of cops. He's like, yeah, what a great fucking idea that was. <laughs> right? <laughs> because Danny's, you know, Danny's quit. Tommy's a river rat. And Jimmy's dead. Jimmy's dead. So, dude, this river's taking away half my family. See that? You know, if they didn't want him to make waves. <laughs> they shouldn't have put him on the water. Son of a bitch. So he's he hops in his boat and he heads up to the that family cabin that we saw this picture of when they were all kids. And Danny and, and then uh, Tommy gets inside there and right as Danny arrives, he opens the door. Tommy's got his gun drawn, like he's so sure it's Danny. He's just like, "But let me see your hands. Let me see your hands." He goes, "I'm what? I I only came here as soon as like I got your note." He's like, "What note?" And then Danny says, "Oh my god!" And then boom, out comes this taser out of nowhere. <laughs> Danny goes and Tommy wakes up to find him and Danny and Emily all handcuffed to chairs and they do a pan around and I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude, it's Jimmy. Jimmy's not dead. No wonder Danny reacted that way. Like, Holy shit. I saw a ghost. Cause it's my brother. Ah, oh. right. Holy shit. And I got to say, I never saw that coming. The first time I saw this, I never was, saw it coming. Dude. I was so sure it was Sizemore. I it was Sizemore. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was like, and I know they were setting it up for that. And get back to that point that I made earlier about how the frame was on the person that they use earlier in the movie when they're chasing him in the car chase. And other times that you saw the killer two years prior, it looked like somebody that was more like Sizemore's frame and everything. Yeah, totally. In the hair, the head shape and... Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you most certainly did not think <laughs> it was right. Pastorelli. <laughs> no, I thought he was dead. Yeah. But, and dude, now he's full blown crazy going on right now. He is nuts. Yeah, Jimmy's like he's just ranting and raving. Who's the best cop? Blah 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 blah. And he's gonna, dude. He's gonna kill Emily because he's just like going. You're you're gonna need to watch this shit, man. I want to make you watch this, Tommy. And then all of a sudden, Uncle Nick shows up, man. And he's just telling him, "Put down the gun, son. Put it down." And his funny thing is, is like Nick is not a bit surprised. No. By the way. Right. You know, he's not a bit surprised his boy's still alive. And then we get this fun little reveal. Jimmy says to Nick, why don't you tell Tommy, dad? Why don't you tell him what happened to his dad? Why don't you tell him how his dad died? And we find out that 
as soon as that car accident happened and Jimmy ran off and Nick caught him, said, let me go, dad. I'm your boy. I'm your boy. The Vince got stood up and had pulled his revolver out to take a shot at Jimmy, not knowing it was Jimmy, but just saw him as a suspect. And then Nick runs over to fight with him and he struggled and the gun went off and that's how Vince got killed. And the, they said earlier when they found the weapon, the, the pro- police revolver that killed Vince, they found it at Kessler's house with the serial number scraped off. A part of me is like going, well, why would you have thought that it was, this is one of the, this is the only problem I've got with the movie because it, it, it kind of throws logic out the window since they make a point of this gun being used with the serial number filed off. And it was Vince's gun. Yeah, right. What, how you, you didn't know that the captain's police revolver was missing? Right. And don't they say he shot him with, he shot, he, he shot him with Vince. He, they, doesn't he, don't they say the killer took Vince's gun and shot him with his own gun? I don't think they say that because when they find the gun, they mention the gun being found at Kessler's house that right. the they seal number had been filed yeah. off. Then what's the point? Right. I'm going to, I say this, I may have to watch it again. Again, I, I forget everything about it the moment it's over. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Keep watching it forever. For, it's like yeah. Groundhog Day. <laughs> Jimmy gives Nick no choice, but and then he takes a couple of shots at him, and down goes Jimmy. Like, oh, and now he's heartbroken. I had to kill my son. Right. And he's so focused on it, he doesn't realize that Jimmy's not dead. Jimmy sits up and goes, who's the best cop? Oh, who's the best cop ever? Bulletproof fast. Ah. You know, and it's so funny because Pastorelli misses opening his shirt the first time. And then he has yeah, to totally. go for a second thing. <laughs> it's fucking, but it's, dude, it's real. I it love is that real. Moment. I love that it doesn't, the buttons don't break. <laughs> yes. It's, it, dude, because you know what? If it happened a couple, if it happened a second time or it required a third attempt, I think he probably would have laughed and then they would have fucked the scene up and redid another take. Right. But it, it, it felt, like I said, a lot of this stuff feels real. And that's why it felt so real. Cause it's like, that's what would have happened. Yeah. So Nick gets shot and down he goes. Jimmy's super excited, but he's so proud of himself. Ah, look at me, the best cop ever. Well, Danny stands up while he's still all handcuffed to the chair, and he just screams and bull rushes him and, like, slams into him, and it it gives uh, Tommy a chance to get out of here, right? So he goes, hey, Jimmy, and he jumps out the window, right? A great stunt, by the way. Just, you know, not unlike that great through-the-window stunt that we got in Prophecy. Not done the same way, not the same, you know, gag. But it props to the stunt dudes again, too, because he went out the window feet, the feet first, like he was going to land on his feet. It was, it was a wild jump. Dude, when, yeah, when Sizemore tackles yeah. uh, him still tied to the chair. Yeah. Right before he goes out the window. Yeah, the stunt guys, the stunt guys are, yeah, the, this good stunts. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy, you know, takes off in Tommy's motorboat, which is, which is kind of funny, right? And Tom's in pursuit. Now, what is Tom driving at this point? Is he driving? Isn't he? Doesn't he take? Is he? Does he take? Uh, doesn't he take Nick's car? No, he doesn't take a car. That's a boat thing. Oh right, right. God, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. But, but he, but he takes Tommy's boat. But what does Tommy take? I don't even remember, dude. I just watched it last night. I truly don't remember. Whose boat does he take? Yeah, I don't remember either. See, Danny shows up, but, but Danny didn't he dro- come in a boat. Didn't he come to the cat? No, he didn't come to the cat. He just, I think he just takes another boat that's there, like it's, at the slip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe he grabs it, another boat. Yeah, weird. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sure, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just it's a boat a, chase. It's a boat chase. <laughs> We're on the water again, making waves. Yeah, and they, they get in a scuffle, and and and, and it's, it's funny because they do this whole thing where they're fighting and they're fighting back on the bridge, right? Yep. 
or a bridge or the bridge? A bridge. Yeah, a not bridge. The, not the same bridge. No, because that, that's too far of a drop. This wasn't that kind of a drop. Um, but they're kind of fighting it back and forth. And this is when we see one of those really weird wigs from Bruce Willis. Right. Here. Like he's wearing a hat underneath the... It was weird. He's wearing one of those hats with hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I lost you. All right. I, I'm going to keep talking. So they're, they're kind of going at it on the boat, right? Getting it on the bridge and they're kind of going at it. And they both end up in the water and they're fighting down there. And they're kind of having a scuffle. And and then Tommy like ends up killing Jimmy by tasering him in the mouth, which I thought was like perfect. Like, damn, how you taser somebody in the mouth? Just, well, like that. Taser that son of a bitch in the mouth. It's pretty nasty. Right. And then you get that beautiful, like, where he's sort of, it, it's almost, I love, dude, I love that thing where the, uh, you know, when they do the uh, the underwater shot, like when a body starts to sink and you're just like looking up dead, dead eyed at the camera. Yeah. The floating hair. And uh, it goes, right. It takes me right back to Night of the Hunter. <laughs> oh, man, don't ruin shit for people. What? Mm. Come on. Anybody who hasn't seen Night of the Hunter. Right I now know. I said it. that ad nauseum, but you know. Anyway, so the movie ends with Tommy being reestated as a detective visiting his father's grave with Emily. And now they have a daughter? Yeah, they got a little, they got a little girl with him. It's a weird move, right? And, it got, and it's a little bit of a throw. Oh, it's her daughter, though. Remember, she has a daughter. That's why. It, it's her. Oh, it's just, it's that's her daughter. right. Because She's, uh, she was married before. Thank you. It wasn't until you said it just now that I, I ever made that connection because I was annoyed. I kept thinking, hey, you told me that it was two years later. Why, why aren't you telling me this is four years later? Yeah, no, no. It's her daughter. Because in the, my head, that this is years after Jamie came back and everything, and, and they killed them off. Like, you know, and here he is. Oh, look, Dad, here's your grandkids that you wanted, that they were lamenting about on their way to the policeman's ball in the beginning, before the pursuit. Grandkids. 90 minutes ago. That's how the movie ends, with Emily and her daughter and Tommy being reestated as a detective. But, you know, I got to think, man, is he uh, is he on the wagon now? Is he, is he uh, sober? Hey, is he a friend of Bill? What's going on? I don't know. He was already kind of an alcoholic before the... All that shit happened two years before that. Yeah, he, was, he just uses a good old Irish cop. <laughs> so that's striking distance. Yeah, man. 1993. Rowdy Harrington. Dude, seriously. This movie deserves your time. And later on, watch it with friends, though, by the way. Let's, let me put this out. Watch it with friends. So you guys can go out for pie afterwards or have pie delivered to you, because that's probably best. Right. <laughs> so instead of going anywhere, because the world's on fire. And talk about it because you're going to forget it when you wake up because that's how this movie right. works. Yeah, no, totally, man. It's like, it's, it's like Groundhog Day. You could, you could watch this movie every day and not remember any of it, but enjoy the shit out of it right. while it's happening. It's, I've never experienced that with a movie where I'm, where in the moment I'm like going, it's a constant film niche. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, I watched it six days ago. Why am I not remembering this? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I swear, man. I'm glad you. I'm glad you agree because I kept thinking, man, am I doing, Am I becoming senile? Am I? Am I slipping? <laughs> What's funny was when I was watching again last night, updating my notes when I was watching another time. I'm like, I'm and I'm looking at my notes. And I'm like looking ahead just so I knew where I was at. And I'm like, wait, did it? That happens in this movie. I just watched it four days ago. Why am I already forgetting what happened four days ago? Yeah, I know. It was just so weird. I think I have to say this though. It might have something to do with how things are in our world for the last three and a half, four months where you find yourself occupying your time by constantly ingesting visual and audible things that maybe it's just one of those movies that kind of falls by the wayside. Cause it is for the most part, I don't want to say it's pedestrian or it's, you know, 
procedural, your average kind of. It's above, it's above average yeah. action fair is what it is. But the stuff it does really well, I think they do really well. Yeah. Like the fights, the car chases, you know, there's some, there's like, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie for sure, but I think you're on to something like, but I don't want to discredit it. No. And say, because it's definitely, I remember seeing it in theater and then seeing it a couple of times on cable, but I hadn't thought about it in years until I would, we talked about doing Bruce Willis and I was like, God, let's, let's do striking distance. It's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. And I remember liking it, but I think I might like it more than I liked it when I saw it originally. <laughs> right. I miss it in the theater. I saw it when it hit laser disc. So I have to say that, uh, I still have a memory of it that I seen it, I had seen it and I enjoyed it, but yeah, I, I have to, this is definitely a better remembered for sure. Um, oh, yeah. it's, it's, I, I found it to be, um, ironically considering the, the whole scheme of the show, <laughs> better remember, remember better. It's kind of like going, this is one of those movies that it's remembered better, but you, you're going to forget it anyway. And right. it'll and, be better. Remember the next time you watch it. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a perpetual filmnesia. There you go. Yeah, man, for sure. It kind of hits. It kind of hits both of our uh, both of our points. Uh, mm. You know, both of the things we like to talk about and do on this show. Yeah. Anyway, so if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod. We're not there much anymore, but you know, we still do a promotion from there. And by the way, here's some craziness. I mean, I'm going to timestamp this, but when we did the Philnesia episode, dude, Russell Crowe retweeted our tweet. I know, crazy, right? That, that's nuts. It was cool because we got and we got a whole bunch of new listeners. Yeah, absolutely. If you follow me on Instagram, also at culprit97, or you can actually, if you want to support the show, that's at uh, Patreon.com/slash KITG Podcast. If you'd like to follow me, Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on Twitter, Rock and Roller Thirty Three on the Instagram, or at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. And I forgot my Letterboxd. That's Corey underscore Culp on Letterboxd. I need to go back on Letterbox again, like I mentioned earlier, man. I've been a forsaken Letterbox, and I shouldn't be because I just kind of pop in every now and again, yeah. like you know, because I've just been watching all these movies, and I'll just pop over there and just like add all these movies at once. Yeah. All right. There you go. It's assumed yep, to be the we nurse. Just, we, we see that because we see the car and we see oh, feet. That's right. And there's we blood see, dripping down. See, from... see, this is. Can you tell we're out of out of practice? <laughs>